If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave, and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year. But his wife and children will still belong to his master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. And if he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. Wow. So, Father, may we be people after your heart who put you first and make you the most important factor in every way we live our lives. I've determined I will follow your Son. And Holy Spirit, I pray you will illuminate truth to us. Not inform us, but transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is an unusual scripture, and uh, it's been clanging around in my head for a little while. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the quest for freedom. And recently, Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln's life and his story, both in book form, movie form, and National Geographic has come to the light in terms of the importance of his mission in signing the Emancipation Declaration and letting people go free and declare to the world. That's why we're a blessed nation, that people are free and are given God-given rights to be free. It's an unusual passage. And out of it, I want to speak to you about giving God your best. One step further, we're to give God not only our best, but who we are, our all. This passage is dealing with a principle used in Israel. It was related to those who owed a debt they could not or would not pay. Imagine what would happen to our government if they were in this position. We're kind of enslaved to our debt as well. And if that was the case, then the Hebrew could enslave the debtor, the one who owed money, until the debt was worked off. So you go work off your debt. Pay for it that way. And if you wouldn't or couldn't pay your debt, you would become a servant to the one you owed. If you were single, you would be set free at the end of the indebtedness being paid, whether it was one year or all the way through six years but they could not hold you any longer than six. They had to release you in the seventh year, no matter what the debt was. If you were married and you came into the position of having to work off your debt as a servant, the word says that when you were released from your indebtedness and slavery, you, your wife and children would all be free to go with you. But if you were single when you began to serve and you were working off your indebtedness, And the Old Testament speaks to us in these pictures, shadows of the life of Christ and how it is that we're supposed to relate to him. And if you began that six-year process of paying off your debt by serving, and while you're in servitude to pay off your debt, whether it be one through six years, 
and you met a woman that was presented to you by the master of the house, and you married her and had children with her, at the end of whether it was one through six years, by the seventh year you could leave, or sooner, but if you had a wife and children because that was given to you while you were working off your debt, you could go, but you had to leave your wife and children with the master who gave them to you. However, if you wanted a special arrangement, then you could go back to your master. Everybody say, Jesus is my master. You'd have to say to your master three things. And the word says that you must first plainly say, I love my master. Second, I love my wife. Third, I love my children. And that is the priority scripture gives us. And boy, it just lays it right out in sequence for us. You are to love the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to love your spouse. If you're single, God has a purpose and a plan for you as yet, but you are still to love the master first. And then Jesus put it like this. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Those are the words of Jesus. So the priority is you love the master first. Then I love my wife. Now watch. You're not giving your children what you need to give your children if you're not loving your spouse. And you must keep that spousal love strong if you're going to have the correct expression of love for your children. It has to flow sequentially. All too many people in our culture have this really messed up, even in churches. They love their children more than their spouse. And that leads to all kinds of confusion long term. Because if you don't love your spouse, listen, you're raising your children. Should be. And if you are, one day they're going to grow to adulthood and leave. And you better have a strong relationship with your spouse. Because once the object of your attention leaves, uh-oh, now where do you place your attention? Because you're going to fall in love with somebody else. And they're going to go on with their lives. And you're not going to be king or queen in their life any longer. And so hear what I'm telling you. Long term, you want that marriage to last. So if you're going to have a happy family, a healthy family, you have to love the master supremely. That's number one. Then you love your spouse. That's where your second line of affection goes. And this is how a relationship will last long term. I'm not speaking about short-termers, because there's a lot of those in the culture today. It's marriage of convenience and Children grow to a certain point, and then they're gone. Marriage is broken up, sometimes even before they leave home. I'm speaking of lifelong love the way God intended it. Love the master, love your spouse, then you love your children. That's the order. And the greatest way I can love my children is to love my spouse. So once the servant said, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children, then the word says this, the master would escort the servant to the public square. And he would take an awl, which is a steel shank with a point in it, 
It didn't have the convenience of this plastic grip that we have on our awls today. It was just a steel shank with a point on the end of it. And then the master would pin the servant's ear lobe against the doorpost, and he would pierce that earlobe with the awl. Okay? Now some of you are going, hmm. Well, you had your ears pierced. What are you doing over? And by that mark in their earlobe, that person would be now known as his servant who has chosen to be his servant. I'm choosing to work for you because he loved his master, he loved his wife, and he loved his children. Now, I don't mind having an inoculation. I don't mind the needle going in my arm to draw blood. And I guess it's because I had so many shots when I was an infant. I wasn't very old before I got hospitalized for a week. And every four hours, 24-7 for a full week, I had a shot round the clock every four hours. Wow. So, you know, a shot is, uh, you know, wow. Okay. On the other hand, there are some who are frightened of having a shot. They see the needle literally pass out. Am I right? Am I right? Might pass out because they're going to stick a needle in them. Frightened. Scream bloody murder. (gasps) A sharp needle is going in me. Now my daughter was one of those. You know, she was... She screamed before they gave her the shot. Yeah. Not during. Before. Ah! It was child cruelty. It's just really child cruelty. So we would take her to the doctor all the time for shots. No. That's what she would tell you, but that's... Some of you have had your ears pierced. Several places on your ears have been pierced. This is what the servant was saying. He said, I know I'm free to go. My debt's paid. I have no obligation to serve you. This is not a shotgun wedding. (laughs) I don't have to stay here. I'm free. I can go do whatever I want to do. But I love my master. What a great relationship. I love my master. And when you love the master, Jesus Christ, it's not I have to, I want to. It's not I have to be a Christian, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. It's I really love my master. I don't have to be a a good spouse or a good dad. I do it because I love my master, I love my spouse, I love my children. And when you acquire that kind of love in your heart, you love God so much, then you love your family like you're designed to. And that's when heaven literally comes to earth and blesses your house. When you love your master, he has your ear. When you love the master, it affects what you hear. Who has your ear? When you serve God with your best, when you give God your all, he has your ear. You will listen to his voice more than you will listen to anyone else's voice or opinion. When you listen to his word, listen, you will listen to it more than you will listen to a poll. And would the God our politicians would listen to the Word of God 
more than they listen to a pole. You listen to his word more than you listen to the advice of other people. Because if people are telling you this is what we think is right, no matter even if they're in the majority, but God's word tells you it's wrong, the people are wrong, and God's word is right. Always. And when you love the master, he has your ear. You listen to him. He wants his people to serve him willingly. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, pastor, do you mean God still speaks today? (laughs) Yeah, he does. Absolutely. He will absolutely whisper a prophetic word to your heart about your future. And that's why you need to be back tonight, because he'll have one for you. He will speak to you. And if you will open this book and read this book, this book will read you. And if you open this book and read, you'll be astonished at how it speaks right back at you. An example of that I've had over the last few weeks as we've entered the new year and fasted and been praying. I've had such a burden for our church and for our people that it's actually translated itself into night intercession. And I'm finding myself in a dream interceding for my people and asking God to do something amazing and spectacular. And I'm in a service in that dream. And I'm here, and we're here together, and I'm praying for you, and tears are running down my face and interceding, and God is intervening and doing miracles among his people. And it's so reality to me that I awaken in the middle of that dream, and I'm crying. Tears are coming right down my face because I've been there in the Spirit. And there God would release a message to my heart, something out of that you need to speak to your people. Because when the master has your ear, you hear some things other people don't hear. And I said, Lord, as I was coming out of that and talking to him in the morning, is that what you want me to say to your people? I don't know that I recommend that, Lord. (laughs) But to confirm this, let me see this in the word Let me see that this is what you want. So I open my Bible, and listen to me. You don't just occasionally open God's Word and have the direction that you need. You need to read His Word daily. Then stuff like this will happen to you. And I opened it up and directed the passage in Job, and where it says, and Job prayed for his friends, and God doubly blessed Job. Wow. And by the direction of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to preach that message to you as he releases that to me. To you, it might seem insignificant, but when the master has your ear, when he's able to speak directly to you, well, that's weird, pastor. That's kind of spooky. No, it's not. It's New Testament Christianity. If you read this in the New Testament, you'll see that happens. New Testament. New Testament Christianity is he walks with me and talks with me. There's fellowship with him. I'm his sheep, and I know his voice, and I follow him when he speaks. So when the master is first, when the master has your all, you will serve him in 3D. 3D. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with what? Well, your heart with all your what? And with all your what? Strength. That is three alls. 
And did you know when you love him with your all, all your heart, your soul, and your strength, that's loving God in 3D, dimensional love, encompasses all of your being. If you've ever been to an IMAX theater, you know, you know that dinosaurs don't exist today, right? You know that? Okay, just checking, because people believe everything they see on a screen, whether it's TV or theaters, they believe it all. And you know Spider-Man isn't real, correct? You know, you know that? Okay. And that you can't, like, do this with your fingers and webs fly out, and you can, you, you know that, correct? That that's not real? Okay. And if you see that on your flat screen, you just kind of, you know, look at it and observe it. But if you see that on the 3D screen, you know, in a theater for 3D with the glasses, all of a sudden you're surrounded by dinosaurs and they're coming back to the 14th row where you're seated. And you're kind of like, whoa. And I've actually seen people reaching out trying to touch those things in the air. Because, listen to me, it's taken on a dimensional life. It's literally coming off the screen, and it looks real to you. When you serve God in 3D with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, listen, that makes Christianity more than play-like on a screen on a Sunday morning. Suddenly you say, oh my God, there truly are real Christians who love the Lord with everything they have. I've seen them in 3D, and I want to touch that. I want some, I want to be like that. I want some of that in my own life. They want to reach out and touch you because you're dimensional all of a sudden. People respond to you when you live in 3D, when you give God everything, your whole life. It takes it off of a flat Sunday morning, punch in, punch out Christianity. When people truly love God, they don't just do church. They love God with all their hearts. This is how you have a happy home. You love your master. You love your spouse. You love your children. You might never acquire all the things that the world says you need to acquire in order to be happy. And you see that in the the, the movies, and you see that on stage, and you see that on your TV screen, and you look at the lives of those that so many in our culture call their heroes and their stars and these people who have made it in the entertainment field, and then you examine their life and they're married again and again, and their children are scattered, and their children are confused, and they're angry at each other, and everybody's fighting over the kids, and there's addictions now growing in the family. Uh, a girl raised in a church just like ours. Uh, years ago, has risen to become one of the stars of our day. Her parents are ministers of the gospel. Last year, she released a movie about her life and how, you know, she's made it big and she's acquired money and fame and all kinds of stuff. One year, she made $58 million. Now, hear me. Listen to me. You look at that and you think, well, that's, that's what I'm going to shoot for. I'm going to but, you know, I need to have those things to be happy and that kind of entertainment in my life and that kind of platform. Where I, listen to me. She's already broken up one marriage, living in full-blown rebellion to the principles by which she was raised. If you don't love the master, if you don't put him first, if you're not serving him, and serving Jesus is not slavery, I choose this life. 
I choose to have him pierce my ear. If there was no heaven, if there was no hell, if there was no eternity, this would be the life I would choose. You're not hearing me. I said, this life I would choose because you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve substance or you're going to serve flesh or you're going to serve money or you will serve, serve Jesus, the freedom giver. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I am, a, I am freer being a servant of Jesus than I'll ever be being a servant of anything else. And Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money, but I can serve my God with my all and including my money. I can serve the Lord with it, but I can't serve both. When you give him your all, you gain freedom. And if he has your all, he has your ear. He has your all, you serve him in 3D with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And if you love your master, you'll love your spouse, you will love your children. Because when you love the master with 3D, all, heart, soul, strength, then you love others as God designed you to, built you to. Problem is, all too many have half-hearted love. So look at the picture of the heart. There it is. The whole heart. It's how you're supposed to love the Lord with all of your heart. If you're half-heartedly serving God, guess what you're left with? You're left with this. Half-hearted. And if you look at it carefully, you'll notice it looks like a question mark. It's a question mark. Because people who serve God half-heartedly, they've got a lot of questions. They question everything. They're cynical. They're negative. When you really love the Master, even when I don't understand, even when things don't go as I have prayed, even when He doesn't answer the prayer as I think He ought to answer it, I am not a question mark, but it's this, not my will, but yours be done. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I say, my God is able, but if not, I'm not a question mark because I serve him with all my heart. He's still God. I'm not a question mark. I don't care what you think about me. I'm not a question mark. I serve him with all I have. And one thing, you're going to know who I serve. You're going to know it because I'm all in it. I love my master. Does anyone love your master? And this is how you hold your families together in this culture. Notice, if you don't love your master correctly, you won't love your spouse correctly. And if you don't love your spouse correctly, you won't love your children correctly because there's sequencing in this. And the answer to the disintegration of the family, true love for the master. First, it's a matter of time before you lose your spouse and your children if you don't fall in love wholeheartedly with all your all for your master. It's just a matter of time. You become another statistic. And that's why families are falling to pieces and there's dysfunction and brokenness in the lives of both spouses and the children because Jesus is not the center and you've become a question mark. And there are many question marks, half-hearted, in 2 Chronicles, there was a man by the name of Amaziah. 
And he was 25 when he began his reign as king in Israel. Here's what it says about King Amaziah. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Hmm. See how the Word of God discerns everything? The Word of God goes and, and can, sets a sharp two-edged sword. It, it slices between the bone and the marrow. It gets right down to every, every tiny little particle. And here's what it does. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Now, how can you do the right thing without a loyal heart? By not serving God with your all. In 3D. You can come to church, but you're not giving Him your all. Some people think by doing some religious stuff, you're serving God. Serving comes from the heart. I choose to serve Him. That comes out of my heart. When you serve God with half-heartedness. Now, some, some here have known or have had yourself what's known to be bypass surgery. And, and they had one or more arteries to bypass some blocked ones around your heart. <clears throat> and listen to me. That, that's, a, that's a tough procedure that's difficult. And it's amazing, this high heart bypass surgery. Some of our friends, closest friends have had that. Over the years, we've seen that happen. And some people have religion that is heart bypass surgery. They serve him with their head intellectually. They even like theology. And they like studying and looking at the scripture. <clears throat> and, and they like all of that. And then there are others, they serve him with their hands. They do all kinds of things for people in the body of Christ. Listen, you can serve him with your head... And you can serve him with your hands, but you've had heart bypass surgery. And when the master has your all and you truly love him, you don't just serve him with your mind and just with your hands. But people, your heart is in this. It comes from the core of your being. Master, I love you. Master, you're my everything. I get up in the morning. I'm glad to serve you another day. And what some churches are filled with, religious people who love him with their minds and love him at times even with their hands. And that's commendable as it was in the life of King Amazia. But it's insufficient because you can't bypass the heart. You can't. For with the heart one believes under righteousness. And the word says, says this now about one of David's sons, Hezekiah. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. So, God has another little look at another character in Scripture and discerns that for us. And then gives us his stamp of approval on this man. Why? Because he did according to all that his father David had done. Followed in the same steps. Followed with the same kind of an attitude. His father David? Pastor, you remember David? David messed up. I mean, David. David walked out onto the balcony one night, and he's looking over the city, and he sees this woman, Bathsheba, and she's taking a bath. And he's checking that out. 
and her name is Bath Sheba. Yeah. She had a sister named Jacuzzi Sheba. (laughs) David was messed up, man. It's messed up. However, he makes a comeback. God didn't look for a perfect man, and I'm not minimizing sin, because adultery is sin. It's a terrible deed with terrible consequence. And David faced a lot of realities because of that sin. There were consequences, even though he was forgiven. But God looked at David's heart, and David messed up. Listen, but he tore his heart out, and he opened it before God, and he said, listen, he said, cleanse me, wash me with hyssop, and I will be clean. He said, God, forgive me. I sinned against you. I've sinned against your word. Wash me, and I will be clean. And God said, I'll take a man like that. He's not perfect, but I just need your whole heart. And David became known as a man with a heart after God. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Wow. A heart after God. King Hezekiah, David's son. He grew ill. And they said, the prophet said to him, you're going to die. Get your house in order. There's no recovery from this illness. But he prayed this. Hezekiah went to prayer. He sought the Lord. And he said, remember now, O Lord. This is a great example of how to pray. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. I've done those things you've asked. I've been all in it. My whole heart has been to serve you and do the things you want me to do with your people. I have not been a question mark. I haven't done this with half a heart. I've done this with all my heart. And God sent the prophet back and told him, you've got a few more years yet. God's going to extend your life, your well, and go on and serve the Lord because God heard your prayer. Let me conclude my message with this thought. Are you religious? Have you had a heart bypass? Hmm. How long has it been since you called out to the Lord, revive, repair, restore, and stir my heart again, Lord? And don't allow it to take a tragedy to drive you to your knees to get you back on track. Don't don't get to the place where you're going to have to have a setback before you Follow hard after the Lord. Why can't we praise and serve God with our whole heart when everything is going well, when things are as they should be in our lives? I didn't come here on this Lord's Day to spend three services and just get past the day and finish the day and give Him half-hearted worship. But before this day is over, I will have spent all I have in honoring the Lord and putting Him first and worshiping Him with my whole heart. I'm going to rip my heart out and give it to the Lord today and say, Lord, you have all of me. I'm going to serve Him in 3D. I choose this life of serving the Lord. I'm happy serving the Lord. People think, poor guy, poor guy. No, I'm a child of the Most High God. 
He knows my name. He's taken full responsibility for my life. He's my master. You can laugh and scoff if you want to. Listen, he died and rose again for me. So what do you mean? Be quiet in church. I choose this life. I'm not giving up anything compared to what I have in the Lord. And so the things of this world, in exchange for serving him and all he brings, as Paul wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You might sense i got a little bubbling going on in my spirit right now because I love my master. I want to serve him in 3D with my all, wholeheartedly, and give him my best, not half. Joshua, the great general, following the footsteps of Moses, his mentor, commanded Israel. And this is what he said to the people. Looked out over that vast group of people now occupying what God promised them. And he says to them, don't ever forget where God brought you from. And don't ever forget how God has favored you. And don't ever forget what God's brought into your lives and into your families. Don't forget you're in this land because God blessed you with it. And then his sign-off is this. Love the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. To keep his commandments. To hold fast to him. And to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. As long as they followed that, and listened to their spiritual leader when he gave them those orders. They were blessed in the promised land. After Joshua passes from the scene, Israel begins to drift. And their wholeheartedness for God began to break down. And so God would send the judge to help them because they'd be overrun by their adversaries for their disobedience to the Lord. And one after another, God would deliver them when they would fall on their faces and call on the Lord and say, help us, we repent, we're coming back. And they would come back, and God would send the judge, and the judge would deliver them. And you have these amazing people who did such fantastic things in the book of Judges. Females and males, God raised up to take Israel back toward the things of God. And then at the end of the book of Judges, when spiritual leadership has gone off the scene and there's nobody serving God with their whole heart, God ends that book by writing this epitaph. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's why we are in big trouble in America today. Because that has become our motto and our thesis. And every man does that which is right in his own eyes. No. The standard is this. What's right in God's eyes. 
And my job is to elevate to this bar. He's not coming down to mine. And what happened to Israel was they lost what all that God had promised them. Because they chose not to serve him as master and love him in 3D. So saints, love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Keep his commandments. Hold fast to him. Serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Can you give God some praise here today? Thank you, Lord.